Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Bucketeer Podcast. Today, we have a really special guest. We have CJ Williams, um, professional uh, player, basketball player. How are you, CJ? I'm doing well. Doing well today. Thank you again for joining us. There's so much we have to talk about with all the crazy stuff happening in the NBA to your career and talk about all that. But uh, let's just get right into your career because you had a pretty successful basketball career. Um, so starting it off, let's just talk about, tell me the whole journey, how you made it all the way to the NBA and how you made it now to the Long Island Nets and the G League. Um, well, started out after college, um, you know, first off, I have to give credit to my agent. Um, I started off my process. I met with a bunch of agents and uh, it, was about, it was about four or five of them. And they all asked me the same question. What's my end goal? And I told them that it was the NBA. Every other agent that I had laughed in my face. And my agent that I have, Jamie Knox, he said to me, he said, all right. He said, we're behind the eight ball a little bit. I think you belong in the NBA. We're going to make a plan to get you into the NBA. And it was a five-year plan. And uh, <laughs> so I started out overseas in Cyprus, um, had a great year, then came back and played in the G League for the Lakers, def uh, the Defenders, um, and had a, had a really good year that year. Um, then I went to Italy, France. Then I decided after France, I decided to go ahead and make my leap to, to try to come back to the NBA. So I came back and played in the G League in Texas, went to training camp with the Mavericks, um, and then played in the G League with the uh, Texas Legends. Um, then I did Team USA that summer and did the America Cup, and that's when the Clippers noticed me and brought me in for camp, and that's when I got my two-way deal with them. Played quite a bit. Um, got injured a couple like a couple of days after um, having hit the game winner against Atlanta, and then. Uh, we were playing Golden State, and I was doing really well, and I landed and rolled my ankle on DJ foot and then uh, ended up, you know, having to rehab. I was out for a month, and that was painful. <laughs> I was painful. I had just gotten rolling into my role on the team and, and then to be taken out by that. And then uh, after L.A., I went to Minnesota. And I was on a two-way deal with Minnesota and uh, had an up-and-down year that year. I can admit that personally. And then um, this year I was with the Long Island Nets. I um, went to training camp with Brooklyn and then finished with the Long Island Nets. Mm. How did that motivate you? Like, I first of all, I can't believe that agents – it just shows one how unprofessional they could be because you would think that agents would be really professional wouldn't laugh in another player's face. But how did that impact you? Did it light a fire in you to prove all them wrong? Um, it didn't. What it did was it made me realize that I'm, I'm a professional now and I have to do it on my own. Um, it made me realize I can't rely on other people. I had done that a lot in my career. Um, I had relied on other people to kind of boost my ego to um, kind of like help me progress. But that made me realize that it's not going to be them. It's going to have to be all about me, you know, focusing on myself, getting myself uh, together so that I can make sure that I am preparing myself to be where I want to be. And, it was hard because it, it did anger me and maybe it did slightly motivate me to, to prove them wrong, but it was more about me being a professional than anything. Have you spoken to any of those agents kind of like, look at me now? Or <laughs> uh, Actually, I had one hit me up and he said, man, I never thought that this could happen. Blah, blah, blah. This was like when I was in LA and uh, he was like, just congratulations and stuff. And I just didn't even respond. I don't feed into – I try my best not to feed into negative energy. So um, when he said – when he uh, messaged me, I was just like, I, I have nothing to say. So 
That had to be so much satisfaction. Like you had to. It was. Yeah, you were like, "Who's hitting me up now?" (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So your overseas career is kind of crazy too. You've played in so many places overseas. Which one was your favorite? Because I know you know you're traveling in different countries, living in different places. Which one did you enjoy the most? Um, I would say Italy. Italy was definitely my favorite place to be. Um, it was just beautiful. The the area I was in, I was right outside of Florence. Um, it was very beautiful, and and it was very. They, they're very relaxed people. They're they're not into a lot of altercation or anything like that. They love their sports, stuff like that. Um, it's it was it was a very beautiful place to be, and and the people I was around were were so nice and very understanding of we have a language barrier let's you know take our time let's figure out what we're trying to do because that that's a big part of it you know you get over there you don't even know how to ask for the bathroom and so you kind of learn little words and and stuff like that and and how to use your hands to kind of gesture to what you really need and stuff like that so mm-hmm. yeah so whenever you play overseas do the teams pay for your where you stay at or how does all that work? Um, it all, it, it's all different. Um, in some places they do, some places they don't. But most of the time, if they don't, it's because they're paying you like millions of dollars. Um, I've had a teammate uh, who was with me when I was in L.A. with the uh, Defenders, and he went to Olympiakos in Greece, and he was able to – he had to find his own house in Athens. And so he – found a house and he paid for it um he was living on the beach and stuff but yeah yeah so it was it was nice yeah. obviously but that was um yeah he had to find it himself and pay for it himself but everywhere i've been they've paid for everything uh up to even a car like they'll give you a car um when i was in italy i was driving a bmw um five was it five fifty yeah, it was a five fifty. So they um they provided that for me because they had a sponsorship with them with BMW in their area. So that's that's insane. I, I, I really don't know if players enjoy that more, the fact that everything's getting picked out for them, or if they want to pick like, you know, where they want to stay and you know. um there's not a lot of variation, right? Like every every player has the same stuff. Um yeah. Not really, because in my case, for sure, I had um, the BMW and a couple of other guys had one other guy had the same car in a different color Then one guy. He had a family, so they got him more of like uh, the BMW wagon. And then there was another guy. There were two other guys that they were actually driving Fiat. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. They were the two younger guys on the team. They were two rookies, so um, they gave them the Fiats and gave the rest of us guys the the bigger cars, the nicer cars. Yeah, damn. Do you you keep that tradition in Italy too, where the rookie has to go, you know, buy everyone everything and stuff like that, or is that um, overseas? No. So interestingly enough, um, in other countries, in Italy, it wasn't like like we didn't have any like rookie hazing or anything like that. Um, in France, there is a little, there was a little bit. Um, but oddly enough, in France, on your birthday, you have to buy the birthday cake and, and yeah, you have to buy all the, the birthday, uh, like festivity stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but that's just how they do That's how they roll. I think playing overseas, um, I mean, I've never played overseas, obviously, so you could speak for yourself, but. I feel like it's something interesting that I feel like more people should experience because even though you're not in the NBA and it may not be like, you might not have all the attention and spotlight on you. It just seems like a cool experience to go to a different country and live their lifestyle and see how, how it is. Yeah. Well, I personally believe that I wouldn't have gotten to the NBA if I didn't go overseas. Um, It's a new game and you have to learn how to adjust and you develop, you can develop a lot of confidence over there. Um, I developed so much confidence playing. Um, every every year I was in Europe, I was the leading scorer on my team. So I knew, like, hey, I can play basketball. Like, I'm really good. So it gave me that confidence to come back here to the States and be like, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. 
um, you know, I'm killing it in Europe, but I can I, I can make it to the NBA. And that was part of uh, just what happened when I was over there. And then living in a new country and learning learning a little bit of the language, because that's what I tried to do. I tried to learn a bit of French, a bit of uh, Cypriot, and a bit of uh, Italian when I was there um, and stuff like that so that I could at least communicate sometimes with some of the Italian guys or some of the native guys on our teams um, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a great experience, and I recommend people, you know, travel abroad, like see the world and see how other people live in, in different cultures and everything. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very relaxed in Italy. Um, I know the shops close really early on certain days. I think it's mm-hmm. five. I'm not really sure exactly what time, but. Oh, it, it could be at any time. It's not even like a, <laughs> it's not, they, it could be open and then they just feel like they're not getting any customers and they just decide to close shop and be done for the day. That's crazy yeah. to think about because here everything's like, you know, 24-hour McDonald's. It'd be insane if you told someone, like, everything is closed in New York City because that's, I mean. Oh, yeah. Work. If someone's yeah. like, everything's closed, I'd be like, there's no way. But <laughs> on a side note, I actually went to L.A. on vacation, and for my birthday, my um, aunt and uncle took me to a Clippers game, and I saw you play live, and you had a great game that day, too. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It was okay. the Clippers and the Suns. Nah, you're definitely a talented player. And even now, I don't see why whenever the Nets were going to the Orlando bubble, they couldn't pick you up as like a stretch four or five because we lost out on DJ. We lost out on a bunch of pieces. Did you get a call back or like a training or anything for that? No, uh, they didn't. They didn't call me. I think they talked to Justin Anderson before they talked to me. and That's why they, they picked him over me. So, you know, it's a part of the business. You understand it. Justin had a great year this year. He's a NBA veteran. And... They just they chose him. We we basically are the same kind of player, uh, same style. So um, you know, it was it was nice of them to to give him an opportunity, and I was I was actually happy for him. Like I told him, hey, like you know, make sure you do your best. Just go out there and give it everything that you got. Yeah, he's a great defender. Like uh, mm-hmm. just just in general, he was a great piece to pick up. The Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they surprised a lot of people. I'm a big Nets fan, so. You know, mm-hmm. me seeing the Nets do well inside of the bubble, we did great besides, you know, getting swept by the Raptors. But that's – um, the Raptors are an incredibly talented team. But, Very, yeah. Yeah, switching gears, you, you know, all the stuff that's happening in the NBA, let's just hear what you think about it. It got – all the games yesterday got suspended. All the games today are suspended. But there's, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing debate saying that um, games might resume on Friday. You know, other people are saying it's going to be canceled. I think it is getting canceled for a good reason, and it's good that – you know, the spotlight are on the players and they're having a good message come out. Um, right. So what's your opinion on it? You think the season should be canceled as a whole and you should just focus on the message or there's like a, a different approach? Um, I, I have two differing opinions about it. Um, I'm not sure which one I would, I would do if I were in the bubble. Um, I understand the boycott yesterday. I agree with the boycott yesterday. Um, you know, I've I even told my parents and my family, um, to me right now, um, basketball is is in the back of my mind. Um, there's other things that are going on that need to be solved and resolved before I even attempt to, you know, play basketball again. Um so I understand that, you know, guys decided to, you know, boycott yesterday's games. And the, the talks of ending the season as a whole, um, I was speaking with one of my guys and I was telling them like, hey, like they should just end it. And that was my first opinion. But then I realized what playing the games would do and it would give them another opportunity to speak on it. Now, in my opinion, if they go and let's say they play the rest of these games and in every press conference, every interview, the you know the reporters ask them, hey, this such and such about the game. Listen, I don't want to talk about the game. I want to talk about social injustice. And if they do it that way, then that is that gives them more voices, and there's more videos out about, hey, we need to solve this. We need to solve this. We need to solve this. And you just keep reiterating that to the world, 
so I see where playing would be a good idea. It's just for me personally, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to play basketball right now. Um, and in the climate that we're in, not only with social injustice, but with coronavirus as well. Um, everything, all this stuff combined right now, to me, it's a time to work this stuff out at home, work it out at home and figure out how we can get everything back to our new norm because it'll never be the same. And um, we just have to continue to work to improve that the society we we just we need to improve society because there's just so many things that are an issue solely because we the, the society says one thing and we as people know that it's wrong um so i i believe that these guys are doing the right thing in boycotting the games yesterday boycotting the games today um, having the discussions of, of ending the season altogether. And I can see how both would cause, you know, a, a change. And that's what, that's the biggest part is we need a change. I can a hundred percent agree with you on that. My personal opinion is um, canceling the season seems like the spotlight's going to be on you for how long? I would say like, Oh, about a week to three weeks, because everyone's watching the NBA right now. If that gets shut down, the message will be out there. But like you said, I feel like if you go every interview, every time you have a game, you make it more and more clear. And I also think whenever the the playoffs get narrowed down to like the finals, the more you talk about it, the more people are going to listen to it. I think it just needs to be a thing where it needs to be notched in people's head where you just keep hearing the same thing over and over again. And right, right now, all the spotlight's on you. I feel like a week of just talking about it compared to – two and a half months, I feel like that could do more good. But even then, um, regardless of what they choose to do, I think it's a good message. It's, it's not like they're doing mm -hmm. any harm to uh, anything. They're trying to go make the message clear and something needs to be changed. It's been years without um, with the same thing happening over and over again, you know, mm -hmm. police abusing their power, right. a repeated thing. There's in Portland, all the, the crazy stuff happening in Portland right now where um, mm -hmm. The people are completely rebelling against the cops and President Trump sent, you know, it just, it gets so complex at a certain point. But I think the message also that they're trying to say everyone should vote if you can vote, you know. Yes, vote. yes. Um, I, I think that that's the biggest thing that we have to understand is voting is very, very important. We need to vote and, and get the right people in office. Um, get the, get the people, people yeah. yeah, get the wrong people out, get the right people in and, and get our country back to somewhat what we were back in the 90s, where, you know, we, we may not have had the right, you know, the exact right president, obviously, it's, it's controversy, no matter who's in office. But, you know, get it to where we can, we, like, everyone can feel safe stepping out of their house everyone can feel safe in their house they still have not arrested the 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 killers the murderers of brianna taylor and she was doing nothing but sleeping in her bed it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense to me if we can't sleep and be safe if we can't help somebody else in the case of jacob blake we can't help somebody else in a dispute and break up a dispute and then just go to my car to check on my kids. If we can't do that, then what can we do? We can't do it. It's it's like it it to me. It's it's a modern day slavery, is what they're trying to implement. And it's not fair. It's not human, and it needs to change. It does. Along with that, it's even like kids in school. There's still reform that needs to happen in schools where there's bullying. There's um there needs to be gun reform. There's been a lot of school shootings. There's just a lot of change that needs to happen in a lot of places. And I think the funding that the government's giving, I feel like they're giving it to the wrong people. Instead of giving some of the money to, um, you know, so like an excessive amount of cops in New York City, you've been in New York City. Any mm -hmm. corner you go to, there's like four cops. 
some of them aren't even doing anything. They're just on their phone. Some of that money yeah. used to go to different places. They, because there could be change made in schools. If you make, if you put some money into schools, you could change how kids think at a younger age. Mm. Some of those problems could die down. But regardless yeah. of all that, there, there has to be some kind of change. And the NBA is making a big step towards it. I know even uh, yesterday the NHL. Um, there's a speech before all the NHL games. I know the WNBA is doing something today. I didn't read into it completely. I didn't have the time to, but the WNBA is making reform. If all these big sports leagues and entertainment shows and all that make this a big message, I think we're we're going in the right direction as well yeah. as getting the wrong people out. And, you know, some people disagree with me. I think President Trump needs to be out as soon as possible. I think they're yeah. – um, yeah. I, I can agree with you on that. And my that's That's my personal opinion. Yeah, you know, some people are going to hate on it, but that's up to them. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden either. He has his controversies, but if it has to come between him and Trump, I'm, I put my money on Biden and right. something changes. But yeah. my other fear is, um, you know, the president is becoming like kind of a, a joke to people. You know, Kanye West said he's running for president. Like, it's like, I don't want celebrities to the point where like celebrities are becoming presidents and making big changes mm-hmm. but i guess that's i don't want it to become a popularity contest i want people in office that have merit that have experience in in office um you know i it, it I, I did feel it became with our last election it became a popularity contest and unfortunately um that's not that's not what it's supposed to be you're directing, you're supposed to be the basically the commander in chief. You are the commander in chief of the greatest nation in the world or what is supposed to be the greatest nation in the world. And you've got people like Kanye West talking about running for office. No, it's supposed to be someone with some experience in politics, some experience in running office and running for office and, and, you know, a Senator, uh, you know, um, a representative from the house, like any, anything like that, like that's who's supposed to be in office, not a celebrity. So I'm just hoping that we get the right people in, get the wrong people out of the office and, and see where we can go from there. No, I 100% agree with you, but just um, talking on a more positive note, um, you were there for um, that huge Derrick Rose game. Yeah. Minnesota, yeah. how was that? That's, that's oh, legendary. So funny story about before the game, um, Tyus Jones was battling back from an injury, and uh, I had been in and out of the lineup at this point. So I'm getting ready for the game, and I'm just assuming that I wasn't going to play. Um, and then Tyus comes up to me and he says, Hey, like my ankle's a little sore. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, like, you going to play today? He's like, probably not. I was like, all right, cool. Um, so then Ryan Saunders comes up to me and he says, uh, Hey CJ, do you play point guard? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, all right, you might have to back up D Rose. Like what? He was like, you might have to back up D Rose. I was like, all right, I don't care. So I was actually his backup for that game. I played seven minutes. I had two points. I had no turnovers, and I was happy. <laughs> I just did not want to mess up his game. But uh, just watching him, you know, I, I had seen him all year working, getting getting to the gym early, leaving late, you know, his son being in there with him, rebounding for him, um, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I watched it all year long, and I was just so – happy for him when he was able to get that 50-point game and, and not only get the 50-point game, but people forget he got a defensive stop at the end of the game that right at the, as the clock was running out. He, he went and helped and got recovered and got a block on the last play of the game as the buzzer sounded. So it wasn't that he was just offensively killing he was doing both he was playing both ends of the court and he played a lot of minutes he played 40 what 41 minutes 
he played a lot of minutes and was able to be productive in every single minute. So, you know, I was just happy for him knowing what type what, what type of guy he was and what kind of person he is, not on not only just the basketball player, but knowing D Rose himself. So for both teams, both the NBA teams you played for, how was the camaraderie? Because I know for the Clippers, that was the was that the first year Chris Paul was off the team, or yeah, it was the it was the year after he had uh, gotten traded. Um, yeah, you know, it was a little eerie at first, but then through the year, you know, guys were getting banged up, next guy, next man up mentality, and it got to the point where I was starting uh, pretty much every game, and and um. That that was that was a fun time. That was a fun time. We we really enjoyed just being in, just playing in the games and and being in close games. You know, we had a close game with the Rockets. We had a close game. Uh, we we actually, I think we blew out Memphis that year. I think that was my career high game. We played we played against Memphis and we did really well. And it was just fun being out there with Lou, with uh, Jawan Evans, and Darius. Like all those guys, we were out there battling and and just staying close in the playoff race, and we were pretty much just trying to make sure we stayed close enough to to give our our you know main guys a little bit of leeway to come back and be able to make the playoffs. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't. But uh, it was definitely a fun year. And 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 Doc even uh, you know last year uh, when I was with Minnesota. Doc even, you know, called me to his office after our game when we played there in L.A. and kind of just said to me, you know, hey, man, I was last year was fun and, and everything. And it's manifesting this year with the team that they have and everything like that. So, you know, it was fun. It was, it was definitely fun being there. And in Minnesota, it's the same. Um, obviously, we had a little turmoil with the Jimmy situation. Um, mm-hmm. After after Jimmy got dealt, um everything kind of came back down and went back to normal and everything was good. Uh, the camaraderie in the locker room, we, we all wanted to win. We were doing the best we could to figure out ways to win games and stuff. And, uh, you know, we didn't win as many as we wanted to, obviously didn't make the playoffs either, but, um, we played hard. We, we definitely played hard as a group and, uh, it was fun playing with those guys too and learning from them as well. So specifically, um, with the the Timberwolves, Jimmy Butler was knocking um, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins' work ethic. So you were there to go see him work towards the whole thing. You think what he was saying was true, truthful? With um, you know, Andrew Wiggins wasn't a worker. And um, I just think that Wiggs' personality is is a little more laid back than Jimmy. So when Jimmy saw that. He just kind of seemed like it just didn't it didn't register with Jimmy that somebody could be like that. Um, Carl Carl was always the first one. I've never I never got to the gym before Carl. I never got to the gym before Carl. I never got I never left the gym before Carl. He um, he would be there and we would it would almost be a contest of like who's going to stay longer. Um, and then he would leave. And then I would finally be able to leave myself. Um, and I don't know, I, I can't speak on the year before, but I know last year, Carl worked his butt off. He worked He worked so hard for every every moment of last season. And uh, he, was, he, he was growing up. He was becoming a better leader um, each game, each day, and everything. And, uh, you know, people forget how young – he really is. You know, he got to the league at 19 years old. He was a star at 20, 21, kind of like the same thing with Luca. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you kind of have to give a guy like that a little bit of leeway because he's still a teen. He was still a teenager when he got into the NBA playing against grown men. And having success against grown men, you know, that that's it's just a total different feel when you when you know you're talented enough to compete at that high at that high of a level and everything and so it was just one of those things that I think Jimmy kind of made them look at themselves and and figure it out and I I didn't I just saw the manifestation of it I didn't see the whole the whole thing so um 
yeah, I think that I think that those two guys took that experience, and I think even Jimmy. Um, the last time I talked to Jimmy, he even took that experience and and kind of it made each of them better. It made each of them better, um, and they took it in stride. And, and obviously, it got out of hand with social media and everything, which is what always happens. But um, yeah, I, I think they both they they both took that in stride and, and used it to make them a better player. You think um, Wiggins' laid-back personality could um, change when he's, um, you know, with Golden State with Steph and Clay? Because I know Steph and Clay are, I would assume they work really hard based on the way mm-hmm. they play. So you think that mm-hmm. um, they could make Wiggins change their ways and work as hard as they will? I think they will. I think the best thing that you can do is they will try, but then they will realize, like, hey, like, we can – we can figure out a way to get the best out of them each game. You you have to do that. Each game, you have to figure out how to get it out of Wiggs, which is not the best quality to have as a player, but he's so talented and so skilled and such a gifted athlete that you kind of need that. So you I, – I believe that one thing that's underestimated about Golden State is their culture is their, their winning culture. And, you know, I think that they will find a way. And, I mean, Draymond as well. Draymond may be a little like Jimmy, you know, in a way. Yeah. Where he's a little more blunt than, than you may want him to be. But it it's just for the, the, greater, the greater good of the team. And I think that Draymond will be the one that kind of pulls that out of Wiggins more than, more than anybody. Even though I say that there is a, a big possibility that Wiggins could be packaged with that Golden State Warriors pick to go trade for um, a star, um, mm-hmm. I think that will happen. I really hope it doesn't. I feel like if the Warriors pick up James Wiseman, it could be really lethal for their offense. That would be, that would be ugly for the league. I, I I said that to my agent when uh when I saw the lottery and I saw Minnesota get the double one pick. I said, man, they're gonna pay. They're gonna take somebody. And Wiseman is still going to be on the board. And, and you're going to give Wiseman to Steph, a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, Wiggs, Draymond. That's a crazy starting five. Yeah, like that's just – you're going to ask that guy to just like, look, you're, you're playing with two of the best shooters of all time and probably one of the most versatile players we've ever seen at the power forward position. Mm-hmm. And you just get to roll to the basket and get the dunks when you can and just defend. Yeah, because the worst <laughs> made players like JaVale McGee and Zaza Petrilla look like lethal centers. So if you give them mm-hmm. someone to work mm-hmm. with, that's insane. The way that yeah. they use the ball movement and they move around the floor makes it so easy for other guys to just cut and get easy ba- uh, like baskets and stuff. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, with the Clippers, just like Jimmy Butler, how it was like a ki- kind of like a falling out. How was mm-hmm. it with Chris Paul? Because I know Doc Rivers, Austin Rivers, there's a lot of controversy with them. He went right to Houston. Yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't there for that part. Um, that was like literally the the summer before I got there, mm-hmm. um, or earlier that summer. So I was only there once uh, CP was traded. Um, you know, we had we did have the situation with Houston and in the and Staples and everything where they you know. Yeah. the locker room thing and stuff like that. I was actually in a boot during that time. It was after I, I had injured my foot um, and everything. It was just a whole misunderstanding of, you know, words and, and stuff like that. And just a lot of anger and frustration and stuff like that. You know, things that happen in everyday life. Um, so uh, it, it wasn't as bad as people made it out to seem it's just seem it's just like it's your star player your coach and the coach's son is on the team as well like all this kind of all that together kind of made it seem worse than what it really was yeah I think also that James Harden um you know where he crossed up Wesley Johnson I feel like that also (laughs) played a big part into all that it's a pretty chippy game the whole game through but uh let's talk about you now you're with the Long Island Nets um I've been to a few games you've been playing amazing uh, you're a perfect stretch four or five if you if you could be on a team and you could stretch out the floor because that's current day NBA. People need people to stretch out the floor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've been working on my shooting a lot. 
uh, over the last few years. Um, I wanted to be a deadly three-point shooter. I was known as a three-point shooter and, and a guy that can make a shot, but I want to be one of those guys where, you know, it's like you never want to leave them. Um, I, I was a little heavy this season, and I've actually lost about 20 pounds since quarantine. So um, that'll help me because I'm I'm more comfortable. I can play the stretch four, but I'm a lot more comfortable at the, the three. Oh, the three? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more comfortable at the three because, uh, you know, I, I actually worked so hard coming out of college on my pick and roll, like being a pick and roll ball handler. And, um, you know, the few opportunity I, opportunities I got this year in the pick and roll, I, I did very well. And so um, I was able to uh, lose that weight. And so now I'm just working on, you know, strengthening my body back um, slowly as I get ready for whatever, whatever we're going to do. I don't know what, I don't know when we're going to start a season or what we're going to do or where I'm going to be. Um, but just preparing myself for that and, uh, and getting ready to go wherever I need to. Mm-hmm. So with the Long Island Nets, how do, how does contract works? Like you have a one year, two year, are you going to be? I, I had a one year deal. Um, I would have to sign again with them. Um, and we, I've, I've been in some talks with them. They, they've been checking up on me during the pandemic and everything, you know, just making sure I'm staying safe and stuff like that. We haven't gotten into contract talks or anything like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I would have to, I have to resign with them. Um, I actually do not know who has my actual G League rights. Um, I don't know if I would have to go to training camp with Brooklyn again or not. Um, I actually think that it, depending on the statute of limitations with these G League rights, I think I, I think the Lakers G League, the South Bay Lakers actually have my rights. And so I don't know if I would have to go there or if it's just been that long to where, because that was six years ago. So I don't know if it would have been, if it's one of those things where it's just so long that I go back into a draft pool or whatever, but I don't know. But um, yeah. So that's pretty much where I'm at right now is just waiting to see what what how everything plays out and and what steps people are taking to have a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the team was incredibly talented this year. You guys had Jalen Hands, Devin Kennedy, I believe. I don't want to pronounce mm-hmm. Devin Kennedy, yeah. Yeah, you guys had an insane team. I feel like – or that one game that I went to, Devin erupted. He had like 39 points. He had a crazy game. Oh, that was the uh, Star Wars night game. Yeah, I actually have a jersey on my wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was, a, that was an insane game. But uh, even then, so I have a question for you since, you know, you've played the you've played the four or five. You've played mm-hmm. a lot of positions. You even played point guard that one, that one game. Yeah. So, yeah. Everything. So what are your opinions on the Sixers right now? Do you think that Ben Simmons <sighs> and Joel B could work together? Because personally, let me just tell you what I believe. They can't work together. Like, on the same floor, there's so many people. They have Horford, Embiid, and then Simmons all going into the same paint. They all just collide. I feel like best-case scenario, you could trade one of the two. I feel like you should trade Embiid for a shooter. Have Ben Simmons loaded out with a bunch of shooters because he's a 6'10 point guard. Run that same system that Giannis has. Because I'm just thinking, if you're a 6'10 ball handler running down the court, that's super hard. And the way he passes is insane. If you could – Create, replicate that system in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons, I feel like that's best case scenario. But what do you think? I think the opposite. I think you got to ship off Ben Simmons. Um, it's just because he's such a liability as a shooter that – and you're right. You need to surround them with shooters. What people don't realize is uh, last year – the number one offensive option for the Sixers was J.J. Reddick. Because J.J. could shoot, and he could shoot from multiple situations. He could come off picks. He could, you know, um, he could be spot up in the corner or whatever. But he would run the end. And they used to run a play. And if you go back and look at the tape, J.J. would be in the left corner. Uh, Embiid would be on the right elbow. Ben would come off of Embiid, Embiid would pop, he'd throw it to Embiid, there would be a guy that cut through, 
and it'd be a dribble handoff with Joel Embiid and J.J. Redick. That was their best play last year. Mm-hmm. And they would run that play into the ground. They ran it into the ground in the playoffs, and it almost got them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, my lucky course. So, yeah, if they don't have that kind of shooter, it, it works with both of them if they have shooting around them. They have to have three dead-eye shooters around them. But when you put in, when you throw an Al Horford into the situation, it just doesn't it doesn't work because Al Horford Al Horford can make a three, but he's not a knockdown shooter, and he's a big and he's a center. And I believe what they were work what they were thinking with Al Horford signing was okay. Embiid doesn't play every game every year. We need somebody at the backup five that can, you know, so that we don't lose those games, which is fine. It makes sense, but. You cannot let J.J. Redick walk. If you let J.J. Redick walk, which they didn't have enough money to pay him because they paid Tobias. So they banked on they, – they went in all in on Tobias. And unfortunately, you know, I, I'm Tobias is a good friend of mine. Um, I played college ball with his little brother and everything, and, and I played with him in L.A. Tobias didn't play as well as he should have this year. Yeah. Um, so – you need a guy that is a knockdown shooter at that spot. You need a J.J. Redick, a, you know, Clay Thompson type, you know, somebody that's a dead-eye shooter in that situation because this floor is going to be spread for them. Mm-hmm. And then the more it's spread for them, then it'll open it up for Ben Simmons. It'll open it up for Embiid. So here's me. If I was, the, if I was Elton Brand, I would be finding a way to get some equity for Ben Simmons because I believe they have Shake Milton now that's playing very well. Um, they have Alec Burks. Like they got guys at the point guard position that they can that they can use. Ship him off and get a guy at the at the like a stre- a really good stretch four. Like get a really good stretch four for Ben Simmons, and I think he'll be fine. But your idea of the of of using Milwaukee's offense, I don't think I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Now, I don't believe in their system when it comes to playoff time, but yeah. <laughs> um, for now, for now, yeah, I think that I think that could work too. But if it was me, I'd I'd get some players for Ben Simmons. You think that there's going to be a good return on Ben Simmons? That was one of my concerns and also a reason why I wanted to – I'd rather pick Embiid to ship off. I don't think many teams are giving up a lot for Ben Simmons just because he's a player that you can only use in, like, a one-dimensional system. You can't utilize Ben Simmons in a different – a bunch of different scenarios like other guys. I think the right team will give them the right players. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it'd be a very unique situation. It would have to be a person that – it would have to be – a team that needs a needs a big point guard, needs a guy that can help them increase the pace because that's when Ben Simmons is at his best is in transition. Um, if they I, – I can't personally think of a team right now. That was that a would, yeah. That's why that I was, would, if it came down to it, I feel like a team that's in a, such a bad scenario that they just need a player to build around, like the Hornets. Like the, the Hornets have nothing to – no disrespect to Hornet fans or anyone on the Hornets, but if you're on the Hornets, there's not much. Ooh, that would actually be a good trade. Give them Devontae Graham. Yeah. Give Philly Devontae Graham for Ben Simmons and, you know, obviously the money – you have to work out the money part of it, but – Man, I didn't think about that. That's actually a good. That's a good idea right there. Devontae, Devontae going there, and they probably have to give up Ben and Shake if they get Devontae though. Devontae is a killer though. Yeah, Devontae. yeah. But I was saying for the a good return on. I know this wouldn't happen, just but if it could happen, I feel like this would benefit both teams if the Warriors would give up uh, Clay and the Sixers gave up Embiid. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> that, that would happen. That wouldn't happen. They they wouldn't do that. Uh, I don't see I don't see that happening at all because they they're all in on Clay and, and Steph staying together as much as possible. For the next couple years, I think yeah. Draymond's still um a piece that could be shipped in a couple. 
couple of years, maybe this year, next year. I don't think they're really sold on Draymond's talent, especially I feel like he's one of the driving forces why Kevin Durant didn't resign. That that could be a possibility. I just think that Draymond is a person who he can fit in a couple places, but just his style of play is what makes them go because it's so hard when he's at the five and he gets the rebound and you get your two best shooters of all time just running around and he's bringing the ball up. Like, they don't have to go get the ball. They, they can just run. It's, it's so hard to guard. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Regardless, I don't even – I know we talk about what the Sixers could do. I don't even think the Sixers could do anything because of the cap space they've given up. They yeah. It's that big yeah. deal. They secured they, – they, they screwed themselves over big time, the way that they've set up their team for the future. Yeah. You know? they, uh, hopefully they get the right coach in there. Um, they, get, they get a better coach in, in that situation, somebody with some pedigree, somebody with, you know – some experience at the playoff level, not even just a coaching level, like at the playoff level, so they can figure it out. Because um, I, I, I want to see Embiid and Simmons succeed, but I just don't see it if they don't have another guy with his, with, with, that's a dead-eye shooter. I'm a, I know a lot of people don't like Brett Brown because of, you know, the system that he runs and all that. I think Brett Brown's a pretty good coach, though. But even even then, I know he got fired. Um, there's also one player – I said it. There's one player that tweeted out saying that it was about time that he got fired. Uh, it was mm. a Sixers player. I think it was Jonathan I don't want to say anything, but yeah, yeah. Said that. But who do you think best case scenario would be for the for the Nets coaching? Because I know you know you have to rely on it. for the Nets coaching. Yeah, uh, I like Jeff Van Gundy. I played for him in the America Cup, um, and he was a guy who he he's a players coach. He instills he instills a system, and then he lets his players play. And he coach it. He he does coach you but he won't get in your way at the same time. And I think that's the best thing for Kyrie. That's the best thing for KD. That's the best thing for even DeAndre. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to get those – you get those guys going, and then next year Brooklyn looks like one of the deepest teams in the league if, you know, if they get the right system in there, which – to be honest, in my opinion, it really doesn't matter what kind of system you get in there. You have two of the best one-on-one scores, yeah. and probably Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is the best scorer of all time, like the easiest scorer of all time. I so, disagree with you, but I could see what you're saying. He's up there. Yeah. I think he's harder than this. I can't. I can't agree with that. <laughs> I think I, I, I understand because he puts up so many numbers, and KD is actually unselfish and. Yeah. Not that James is, is selfish, but KD is extremely unselfish to where he's just trying to win games more than get stats. So he doesn't shoot the ball as much as James does, which there's no knock on James. James is doing it because he's that good. And, I feel like James you know, is more efficient, though. You know, he – I know he draws, ooh, a lot of, draws a lot of fouls. That's why. He draws a lot of fouls, but yeah. I don't know about more efficient. I don't know about I more efficient. The, the, I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers. And they use they utilize him a lot more than he's been utilized the last two years. When I think he, was he got a lot more consistent. Uh, yeah, I think they. I, I'd stay with what I said, but I could see what you're saying. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's definitely up there. there there's a yeah. debate that can be made. Yeah. I think James Harden also doesn't get the respect he deserves. But and also just think about it. They were on the same team with Russell Westbrook too. Imagine Serge Ibaka. Yeah. That team, yo, that team would have been crazy if they just paid up like they were supposed to. They messed up. I mean, they're giving they, up. they they paid Serge Ibaka instead of James Harden. That's that what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they didn't see what everyone else saw, though. The Rockets saw potential, and they really built a crazy team. Also, mm-hmm. I got knocked on by, you know, Daryl Armstrong? Yeah. Out of yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah, I had a podcast with Daryl, and he was knocking me big time because I was saying that – um. The Rockets are deadly in the West. For this year, I'm telling you, they could take out one of those LA teams. And he was disagreeing with me. I even said that they could take out his Dallas if they bro, the Rockets, they're I know they're not gonna verse Dallas, but I'm saying 
the Rockets are such an underrated team. They can make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals and take out one Their of style is so unique, and it's so different from what we've ever seen in the NBA that you could see it like they're like how their series is going with OKC is exactly how I see them. They'll make shots the first two games and miss shots the next two games, and it'll be right back to two and two. So yes, they're they're deadly. Um, obviously, they're missing Russell Westbrook. When they get Russell Westbrook back, I think they'll get more consistency because he is constantly attacking with James Harden and Eric Gordon. So they will get all of those, you know, easy buckets when Russ is in there because people are going to probably let Russ try to score all the time. Um, but yeah, they I, I do believe that they're they're a contender with just the fact that they're just so different from what we've ever seen. And you have to completely change your game plan to play them. Yeah. And so yeah, I I, I do think that they they they're a contender. Yeah. I, I they, tried to, they tried to replicate the offense, uh the the rocket system in the opposite way where everyone was just really big, that really tall lineup, but we could all see that that failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Just to end it off, I've had a debate with my friend, okay? He's a really big Knicks fan. I'm a really big Nets fan, so, you know, we clash a lot. I need okay. you to else, okay? You know Kyrie, <laughs> okay? Yes. I know. Uh, somebody has probably brought this up to you before. Kyrie Irving is not a delusional player or a toxicity in the locker room. Agree or disagree? Agree. He's not. There you go. That's all I needed to hear. He's not, yeah. People act like he gets too much hate for Boston. Um, He got a lot of hate for saying that they should cancel the league before this even happened. He got a lot of hate for saying that they should create their own league. Everything he said has made sense. People just blow it out of proportion. Um, Yeah, He's just a very unique mind in terms of his opinions, his thoughts and stuff are so different from what other people think is supposed to be normal. Mm-hmm. So it can get blown out of proportion that way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that you you look at them and you're like, man, how could you possibly think that? And then we go to now and we see, like, hey, he's been saying this since day one about the whole bubble and everything. So He deserves more – he definitely deserves more respect. People were saying that he shouldn't be the um... – what's it called, the NBPA? He shouldn't be the assistant president, but... He's he's definitely right in, in that position, and I, I disagree with those people. He may be a little eccentric, but his ideas are for the greater good, and that's what that's what we want in that spot in uh, the first place. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I just want to end it off with saying thank you again for joining, and uh, I need to see you on that Nets team next year, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. You, Kyrie. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully they'll give me a call and and I can work something out with them. Yeah, keep me updated with whatever happens with you. Thank you again. And I'm excited to see what happens in the next step of your career. I'm going to keep up with it. And uh, hopefully I can get you on in the future and I'll hold you to everything that you say from now on. (laughs) All right, thanks, man. No problem. Have a good one. You too.